It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Benny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. And we are back at it again. Yes, sir. Wednesday without a game. So that's, that's a little, you know, back to like <laughs> You said it last week. Back to our normal, normally scheduled foolishness or, or something like that, because we you know we didn't didn't have a game. We cut it short a couple of weeks uh, for for FAMU and from Mizzou, because you know we get them Wednesday games sometimes. But TB Terry, TB yeah. Brown, Vinny Hardy, we back in here for a regularly scheduled episode of Cast Talk Wednesday, man. How you doing? Good. We should have kept going last week for the Missouri game. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we should we should have kept it going. But uh, uh, the cats are the cats are back on track. But uh, no, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, you know, good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So they, well, a lot happened since last since that last short Mizzou episode. Like I said, they they yeah. look bad in Como from start to finish. Yeah. Um. Beat Louisville. Beat LSU. You had World War II with the bowl game, I guess, whatever, however y'all were describing it this year. That's that's behind us. So a lot happened the past week. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I guess we can we can start further back and come chronologically. Um, cats look bad in Missouri. Dang. They just look bad. Mm-hmm. Not only did they uh, lose, but it was the way – that 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 uh, that that the team looked. It lo- it looked bad. They even had, had you kind of. They even had you saying this was. I mean, everybody. Well, so, not, everybody says you missed the positive and never say yeah. nothing bad. And you, I think you was a little disgusted last Wednesday. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a sunshine pumper and all this kind of stuff, right. and that's fine. I wear that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't believe in that mantra. Some people say you expect the worst and you'll be surprised. That's miserable to me. I'd rather expect great things and you will be disappointed. I'd rather stay in that positive space. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a lot of positive that you could take from uh, the Missouri game. It was bad. And for me, that that falls on Cal. Now, to his credit and the team's credit, they bounced back. That's one thing I liked about the Louisville game. It was a. It was going to be a, a a get right game. Yeah, Louisville didn't have the dudes, uh, but I liked after the Louisville game talking about the positivity. You know, we always think of coaches have to boom, boom, boom. You ain't this. Blah, blah. Well, <laughs> you know, we have seen coaches of different temperaments be successful. Mm-hmm. And the same way you're a parent, I'm a parent, you can't just be yelling all the time. Mm -hmm. One, the kid's just going to tune you out. It's not effective. Mm -hmm. You have to give some positive reinforcement. So I like what Oscar was saying after the Louisville game about that. It showed what a leader he is because he said he went to Cal and said, hey, hey, we need to do something different with these guys. Yo. And that was great. Uh, Cal making some acknowledgments that he is changing 
his approach. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I've said for a while. Not so much the wins and losses here recently, but Cal himself was a lot more freewheeling, a lot more relaxed at the beginning of his tenure. Mm-hmm. And I th- and he did a good job shielding th- those teams from the great expectations of the fan base. <laughs> but recently, because of 9-16, and 16, because of uh, St. Peter's, it just felt like these players are feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. And as a good leader, you've got to find a way to alleviate that pressure, whatever it is. Because somebody tweeted, and, you know, uh, I felt this as as well. We got to do something because this team was going to make the tournament, right? We can, well, you look at this, this team was going to make the tournament. They were going to have a tournament resume, okay? But that first game is going to be all lemon booty. And that's no way to do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we're searching for our first NCAA tournament win since 2019. You know, you can't you can't go in the tournament like that. That's not how it works. That's what happened last year. Team played tight. Sure did. So I I like what I'm hearing uh, about a, a positive aspect. It's okay. Jacob Toppin, who looked miserable and disinterested. At Missouri. Yep. I try not to read in too much to body language and all that kind of stuff, but he just looked miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't trying to be one of these folks where if you see the way he was looking at Cal, no, the kid just looked miserable. Like, I, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like he's playing for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yep. And zero points that he showed. He wasn't, he was checked out. Right. Here you go. And so after the Louisville game, scores 24 points, looks completely different. Mm-hmm. And he talks about something near and dear in my heart. You know, he reached out and got help. He was in a bad place. And it's okay to be in a bad place. It's okay to reach out and say, I don't know how to handle this. It really is okay. And I got passionate talking about on round of shots, but we do all this talk about mental health. When a celebrity dies or, you know, someone in our family dies by suicide or they're in a bad way, we do all this stuff. We tweet out the numbers. We, we, we post these messages. And like I said then, I've always said, if you want to help with mental health, the number one thing is don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk. Whether it's to players you don't know, coworkers you do know, just don't be a jerk. Yo. That that to me is the simplest answer. So for for Toppin to be open about, hey, I needed some help. I got some help. Cause I was telling the wife, he he probably saved somebody's life. Just by saying that. Mm-hmm. Somebody need to hear that. Somebody. And that's beyond basketball. But back to the basketball side. Look good against Louisville. I told you 
uh, a month or so ago, got to beat them by 20. Mm-hmm. You know, got to get to a point where it's a kind of a laugher, right? Mm-hmm. We had four or five dunks in a row, and Louisville's just overmatched. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Some people want to dismiss that. No. Every time we beat Louisville, that nourishes my soul. That is, <laughs> that, yeah, all is right. Mm-hmm. Things may be going bad, but we're not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and then last night's game, it's a work in progress. They gave us 36 really great minutes. We just got to work on the finishes. Mm-hmm. But you have to see it's a continuum. The way the offense was looking, and I'm glad Jimmy Dykes pointed it out. Cal's offense, there's nothing, it's not outdated. The ball just needs to move. The plays we ran last night, the same plays we've been running, what's the difference? Ball movement, player movement. It's not an offensive scheme. No. It's not like he was running the Hoosiers swinging gate or the high post, you know, <laughs> that they're running at UCLA. It, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't four corners. It's just ball movement, player movement. And all that was pretty good for the most part last night. The, the player movement especially because there was some stagnation for you know, UCLA, you know, bad spacing, and everything kind of clumped up and, and discombobulated. Everybody using that word. Cal used it. Toppin used yeah. it. Because that's that's what it was. So, like, you you tweeted out the ball was moving. It was side to side. Uh, and, and some action, some floppy. We all know the floppy. But it was it was executed uh, at a lot higher level for a lot longer time last night. And, you know, and Toppin has realized he's, even though he hit a big three last night, that's not his bag. Mm-hmm. His bag is, oh, you gonna give me, you gonna back off and give me some space, and let me get some momentum to the hoop. All right, okay, cool. That's what he needs to do as well. I, I, you know, the numbers guys. I don't know if you saw me and our man Hoops Insight, Sean. We went back and forth a little bit on the on the on the uh, analytics. Okay, and. I just don't like it when analytics become the end-all, be-all. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing in business and in life, you're dealing with people. And and numbers don't give you everything. They can tell you a lot. Mm -hmm. And I get that. Yes, you want want your uh, best shooters taking the most shots. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. You need these type of players to have a cohesive offense. I get that. But that's a big kind of thing. But in the the micro of it, sometimes coaches got to have a hunch. Yeah. And my point was most of the time in sports, that memorable moment defies the odds. Mm-hmm. Like 88, Kirk Gibson. Broke knees, broke hips. Yep. Tommy Lasorda had a hunch. Yeah. Against Eckersley of all closers, too. Right. <laughs> and if you, you know, you we've seen, I don't believe what I just saw, but you see him walking up to the plate, it's like, <laughs> you know. So my whole point was you can't be so married to the numbers that in the in the moment. Mm-hmm. 
how do you quantify that a guy's getting hot? How do you quantify that? Like the 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 Rays manager that took old boy out that was mowing everybody down because and, of the numbers. And, and, and told him to. And and that's and that's you know I was talking to to, to Kate about that. My wife, she's more baseball than basketball, but yeah. numbers and efficiency have robbed baseball of what made it great. Nope. It's either home runs or strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Even see, more than even more than threes and layups. That they really lean into that. You see the the shift. There's nothing romantic about the shift. Is it efficient? Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah, I get it. But you have to understand, yes, winning is part of but the thing about sports is that you know you get you can get romantic about it. Right? You can see things that defy numbers. You and I talk about uh Isaiah Thomas in 88 on the broke 88 was a great year, right? Really? Uh, 88 <laughs> on the broken in a broke ankle. The numbers said, what are you doing? But you just you dig you you do that, right? Mm-hmm. What are what are the odds that Aaron Harrison is gonna hit three three pointers in three consecutive games? With less than 10 seconds left. What are the odds on that? Mm-hmm. And that's not a good shot. He was not a great three-point shooter. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like to say, Cal's got to call timeout. You remember the Ohio State game in 2011? Yeah. We had two timeouts mm-hmm. when uh, Brandon Knight brought the ball up. Mm-hmm. The numbers say, call a timeout, get set. That's what the numbers say. Nope. Look what we would have been robbed had we done that. Mm-hmm. So I understand that the numbers mean a little something, but if Jacob Toppin's got his swag going on and he's paired with Oscar, that's a winning combination. You know what I liked last night? They did a little bit of high-low. Took me back to Chuck Hayes and Eric Daniels. Mm-hmm. Used to run that high ball. Woo, we see some more of that. You know, you put Toppin in the zone. Yep, right in the middle, sure it is. Put him in the middle, put him on the baseline. He got a couple of dunks and layups right reminded me of uh, alex poitras who was a zone buster see uh-huh. you don't have to shoot the three to break up a zone right you can have an athlete in the middle you can have an athlete patrol the baseline to open that up Yo, you don't rep- have to look outside and come in see that's, that's a- the simple thing about basketball the the, the rules still apply they do, they do. And, and that's the point that I, all the action that people do in basketball, there ain't nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. Once we got past the two-handed set shot, most of it is still the same. Set a pick, roll off the pick, like the give and go. Like there's just basic universals that numbers can't can't explain. So all I was saying to Sean, and I know he's a numbers guy, and I'm not trying to be old man, yell at the clouds. Yeah. My point was, in the moment, you have to trust the coach and the players to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Especially with basketball, because it's free-flowing. Mm-hmm. Football, you get the, you know, there's the whistle, you stop, you can... Basketball, it's, it's this, it's fluid. You've got to be able to feel that. Mm-hmm. Yo, absolutely. And 
you know, we we roll our eyes at stuff Cal says sometimes, you know, the same stuff. And, yeah, and the longer coach is there, the more we hear the same stuff. A lot of us rolled our eyes when at the start of the year he was kind of tempering expectations. Be patient, haven't had time. And, you know, you you got Oscar back. You got Severe back. You got Toppin back. You got a lot of guys back more than you've ever had. And he's – be patient. We're not there yet. We've got a lot of work to do. And, you know, but when we see how they started, we see where they are now. We saw Jacob Toppin in the Bahamas. In a perfect world, he would have just hit the ground running and picked up where he left off with this progress he's made every year the past couple of years and just broke out and been 20, 20, 20 points, eight rebounds, you know, five assists every night. But that's not how it works. To quote you, that's not how this works. <laughs> And we saw the struggle. We saw the rock bottom. There are other factors. And, you know, you didn't get the topping that we thought we see until the Louisville game. And, yeah, Louisville wasn't that great. A lot of people was like, yeah, it was just Louisville. And then he comes out and stacks it uh, against LSU. So now, like you said, the, the confidence is just rolling. Now we go to Alabama with him playing his best ball. And, they're rounding in the shape. Nobody's giving – they're under the radar. This Kentucky team is unranked. Everybody's talking about Alabama and Tennessee and Arkansas. Yeah. And here's little bitty Kentucky down here, as little bit as we can be considering who right. we are. Right, absolutely. Laying under weeds that can just, you know, ready to jump up and bite some folks. Well, and, and I've tried to explain to folks, yes, this team is an older team. But they haven't played together. Mm-hmm in this configuration. So the, the two older players, severe in uh, Oscar day one, we know what we're going to get. I know you were in the spaces last night. Uh, we did a post game space and I let a guy, I, you know, he's been in a couple of them just go on and on about what Wheeler isn't or what he is, what he isn't, what his ceiling is and all this kind of stuff. All I can say to the severe haters, I think the kids still say haters, you got to deal with it. He's going to be the point guard. He sure is. And at this point, we know what we're going to get with Wheeler. I had a coach tell me, if I know what I'm getting out of you, that's better than somebody that can go for 31 game and zero the next. Mm -hmm. You can game plan around that. Right. That's that's the that's what you would say, the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. You know, you you build that into your game plan. I mean, that that that's just part of it. And you can be successful like that, like the Packers of old with Brett Favre. They (laughs) knew, hey. This dude's going to put a ball up for grabs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that that's 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 how it's going to go. So you can build with that. And I still say Wheeler does more good than bad. Yeah. What he did, what two turnovers last night, was it? Yeah, nine assists, six six rebounds. Uh, he was stacking boy. I tweeted that in the first half. I said, this dude, every time you looked up, he was coming down with rebounds. Yeah. Three of five from three. Mm, yep. Well, he banked one in. Did it go in? 
Well, if that's what we're fussing about, look at homeboy for LSU, the big man, number 12. We we knew he was a, he was a big, but he could shoot the three. He can draw Oscar out. He he banked he banked one in, threw up a brick that was so bad the ball just stuck and just rolled in. That was six of his points. Um, dude for LSU tiptoed through the lane and they was throwing up stuff. They have about 12, 14 points that you you can't yeah. ever game plan for. Ever. Right. <laughs> so so you know what you're gonna get from Severe. Oh. You know you're what you're gonna get from Oscar. That's been the constant. Mm-hmm. We know that Kaysen's got to be the dude. He's got to become the closer. I think. Because you and I discussed, I love Severe, but at 5'8", yeah. being generous, mm, yeah. he can't close out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he, he just doesn't have the physical tools to close out a game. You know? So... You know what you're going to get from Wallace. But if you can get something consistent from Toppin, that changes everything. Now you've got four roles defined. And and you can build off that. Livingston is coming. Livingston is coming. Mm -hmm. Collins is giving you minutes. My only issue with last night was Oscar played 40. Wallace played 40. Mm -hmm. Wheeler played 37. That can't continue. Yeah. That's not a recipe. You've got to be able to steal some minutes. Uh, Thierro should have come in a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugan should have come in. Mm-hmm. Because once we got up 60 to 50, it was like, I know Cal was slowing up, but they kind of ran out of gas. It was a little where you, you should have went up 15, and then it went back down to four. <laughs> right. So you've got to be able to find a way to, to spell minutes. Reeves, whatever, should have maybe seen a little more. Right. So that's my only You can trust him to spell some dudes just to to get you a breath, you know. You know, know, set up, you know, to to sub in before the during the TV timeouts. Coaches have to do that. Still some Uh, minutes, yeah. I I definitely don't want to see those guys logging 40 minutes from here until March because that's just not a recipe. You have dead legs. Mm -hmm. And that's that's another thing. Look, you got you got the people that are cow haters that no matter what he does, they're down on it. You got son that maybe he can do no wrong. He's is he infallible? No. Is he Hall of Fame coach? Yes. But just like the severe haters gotta deal with severe, those of us who maybe think Cal should stretch his rotation, no, he's not gonna do it outside of the platoon year. I'm always I always lean. If you if you can wear him down with some depth, do it. But he always likes to shrink that rotation. That's how he rolls, and that means some guys on the outside looking in. And you better make your impression and work your way into that rotation while you got the opportunity to do so. But like you said, you you can't be wearing Oscar out now. You know your boy Dusty got a lot of grief for what wearing the bullpen out or keeping you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Got to maybe manage it a little different. We're just now in January, and you know, Severe and, and Oscar need to not, you know, have so many miles come March. 
Absolutely. And that's the that's the the, the the my only really concern was I think part of the issue toward the end was the guys were just tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that'll I think that'll clear up. You get the let Thero come uh play a little bit. Uh I think CJ coming back. I I, I still think this team they they're finding themselves. And like we said, even though they're older, it takes time to find yourself. You know, uh, the Miami Heat when they signed their big three, you know, not one, not two. It took them time to get rolling. Sure it is. Absolutely. Uh, it it sometimes sometimes it does. You just can't add. You know, I know people don't talk about this because we only talk about the six seasons that he played. But don't forget, you know, Jordan played twenty something games before the ninety five playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls took some L's because it takes time yeah. to figure this out. I remember him saying it in an interview, I got to get my time back. I'm like, what? You're Michael Jordan. But no, you <laughs> he had to get his get his timing back, you know, to be. He just can't show up and be what he was. You know, nobody can. And I remember learning that because I, I thought he was just going to show up and, hey, Pick right back up. I remember distinctly thinking that. Oh, he's back. Okay, here we go. MJ back. No, this. And yeah, they had Pippen, but those those Bulls were different than the ones he had won the championship with. He had to figure out how to play with Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. Rodman had to figure out how to play with him. These things take time. Yep. And really, uh, talking about the ball moving around, it's about trust. The offense works better if players trust each other. Mm-hmm. I will pass you the ball. Because I trust when I'm open, the ball will find its way to me. No, yeah. that's what trust is all about. And I trust you're gonna do something positive when I pass it to you. <laughs> right. It's it, it's about trust. So when you we see teams that uh, make that leap, you know, going back to the 2014 team, uh, it was about trust. Nope. The Harrisons are passing to each other because. They trust each other, obviously. From the womb. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's why I said in the space last night, I mean, think about it. That 2014 season, the ball would go into Randall. He going to score. Mm-hmm. Or it's a turnover. You do that spin, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you fast forward to the Louisville game in the tournament. Triple team. He passes out to Aaron Harrison. Yeah. That starts the run. Yeah. And I said then, that's a pass. He doesn't make two months ago. True. That's true. He forces that ball up. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he saw it. And that's when things start uh, changing for teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a black hole that first but, <laughs> third but the, season. He was he was a black hole for sure. There's there's a there's a, there's a moment for teams, even veteran teams, you know, because uh, was it after was it the Ole Miss game in '98? I think it was the Ole Miss game of 98. Mm-hmm. They lost that night, mm-hmm. and they came back, and they didn't lose again. Nope. They had trust. Mm-hmm. Right? And they start buying into Tubby. They start trusting each other the whole, the whole nine. Right. And I think that's very important to all this is how do you quantify trust? Right. No analytics for that. I mean, there's analytics for how you need to put people, but – People still need to do it. Mm-hmm. That's and that's what I was trying to explain to Sean. I get the numbers. You need a shooter. You need, but 
they have to play with one another. They don't have to like each other, but there should be something uh, good enough to. Um, I lost my train of thought. Okay. They don't have to like each other, but you ain't got to like your coworkers to succeed on a group project. Mm-hmm. Quiet as it kept. Some of my best group projects, a bunch of people I did not like. <laughs> Because sometimes you don't like that person, you're not going to sugarcoat. You're going to get straight to the point. You're not doing all this dancing around. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing that stood out to me about those bulls in the 90s. They didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. They tolerated Michael Jordan because <laughs> he won. Right. If they wasn't winning, Horace Grant go punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. You'll take stuff if you're if if you're winning, you take a little bit more. Yeah. The the tolerance margins go way up when you right. Win. You don't have to get along with your I mean, I can't think of any team, you know, that was necessarily like a brotherhood, Shaq and Kobe. Like mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. winning didn't even fix that. <laughs> you're cowboys. Aikman doing his thing, Irvin before he found Jesus. Come on now. So everybody's doing the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be best friends, but you have to be able, in a business, in a work environment, I trust these dudes. And that's what we're seeing from Kentucky right now. So from really from uh, Missouri to LSU, and I get it, people, I get it. There's things they can work on with LSU game, right? Yeah. Got to close out better. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to do some, you know, got to clean up some things. Yeah. But I'm like, take a step back. This ain't the same team we saw in Missouri. Yeah. So I, I'm encouraged by what we see. I know we've got uh, Bama on um, Saturday. Saturday, right? Saturday afternoon. So excited yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so be able to see if you can bottle all that up and take it to Tuscaloosa. So it's, it'll be a it'll be a test, but Nick Saban ain't coaching. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, then you know they're playing good and all that, and and you know I think they beat Ole Miss or somebody pretty bad last night, and and you know doing a nice little out of conference schedule and beat some good teams, but hey, you know go down there and still want to surprise them. Hey, what swept them last year? I do believe, if I'm not mistaken. Swept them in Tuscaloosa and in Lexington last year. Yeah, so. Yeah, because Tuscaloosa was the uh, Damian Collins going off game. Yeah. yeah, Rupp, yeah. That was Kellen Grady going off that uh, infamous. He wasn't even looking for the pass. It hit him in the backside, picks it up, hits a three. Yeah. That's one of those moments. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it it wouldn't surprise anybody if, if, you know, it would surprise some, but it wouldn't. Shocked the world if Kentucky went down there and beat Alabama. Uh, the Alabama people, those that kind of do sports down there, uh, I don't know, is it disrespect, overlooking, don't really think Kentucky's Kentucky or, or whatever, or down on Cal, but just from their perspective on the outside looking in, and that's fine. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's thinking that. Right on, everybody write them off down there. We, we'll take that. The, the, the thing is, when it comes to SEC men's basketball. I like this cow quote. Is this what you hope happens, or is this what you think is going to happen? 
I know, you know, Kentucky fans know, there are a lot of disappointed fan bases around the SEC because they always hope that this will be the year that Kentucky will go down. <laughs> this, 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 we found, we've caught up to them. Mm-hmm. We caught them. They, they ain't going to be Kentucky no more, right? Yo. And then, yay, verily, it comes to pass. Kentucky's back to being Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Even Florida, with their back-to-back NCAA champions and, and beating Kentucky, I think it was like 8 out of 10, 10 out of 12 times, mm-hmm. which is the most we've ever got our butt kicked by an opponent. Yo. But Billy Donovan left, and yay, verily, came to pass. We've added some more Final Fours in the championship and whatever the 50-11 SEC championships are. Yeah, see, I so, fifty eleven. I just pulled out a, a old SEC tournament championship. One of the fifty eleven. Just had to. So it's you. You want them people to get the SEC championship shirt? I, I don't. I I don't have one. I didn't. I didn't buy one. Actually, I I went back home last week and was going through some of dad's stuff. And okay. He, he had bought a bunch of SEC tournament shirts. I was like, wow. I was like, wow. So I, I brought that home, brought some stuff home. So this, okay. is, this is a shirt of dad's. That okay. Well, he, bought, didn't that. Even, he bought it, didn't even wear it. <laughs> it's still glistening clean, but he bought a handful. I don't know if he was going to give them away. I don't know what he was going to do with them, but I was like, I'll, I'll bring some of these home and I'll throw one of them on for the show. So yeah, this is, this is some stuff I found the dad's. <laughs> But I, I've seen that, you know, we love our T-shirts here in Big Blue Nation. But I always say to myself, who's buying the SEC championship shirt? Like, I see them in stores, but I'm like, because generally, I'm waiting for another kind of T-shirt. Yeah. Now, Final Four, I got. I got Final Four. Yeah. But I'll see, like, somebody wear, like, a Sweet 16 shirt. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> so, so, yeah, this is the first one I've ever had put on. Touched whatever, so I. I, <laughs> I mean, reason, dad, dad stocked up on a few, so. There you go. There you go. It, it, you know, and I know that sounds bad because I'm pretty yeah. sure there are folks around different conferences, different teams, conference championship shirt. Good for y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in. I'm wearing my 49er stuff today. Oh. Uh, I got hit up on those uh, Facebook advertisements. NFC West shirt. Why do I want an NFC West championship shirt? Why do I want that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first step of where you're trying to go. But like you said, nobody remembers that. Nobody. I don't know. I Somebody tweeted out, I think it was a helmet account, how many, you know, division by division, year by year, and they've just put the helmet of the division winner. I didn't even know. I just went through looking at how many Dallas had won. I think I went through, you know, it had the Niners, and it, I mean, the NFC West is pretty much Niners, 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 Niners. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Niners, 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 Rams, <laughs> Niners, Niners, you know, but, <laughs> but I just out of curiosity look because I had no idea, you know, I mean, we know the, the Niners pretty much run the West, but as far as having teams, how that's proportioned out, nope, I, nobody really keeps up with the division. You just know that gets you in the playoffs, and then you go from there. Speaking of that, that just reminds me, if you go to the Staples Center or the Crypto Arena, there is a uh, a banner for a division winner, and it belongs to the Los Angeles Clippers because that's as good as it's gotten for them. Just one. Just one. (laughs) 
And I remember when they put it up there, the Clippers fans, you know, this was during the Lakers downtime. We running this because you want a division. It's God by witness. I don't know how many Pacific division titles the Lakers have won. Couldn't tell you. All I know is 34 finals, 17 championships. Mm-hmm. And we don't put finals banners up there. What do you just take that down? Take that down. Yeah. And now the Clippers gonna have to take it down when they go to their other arena. They gotta climb up there and pull it down and take it to Inglewood, wherever the new Clippers joint's gonna be. Because that's when Doc Rivers was covering up. <laughs> I said that's a lot of man hours to cover up all the Lakers banners. Yeah. You can you could be you could be doing that doing something else. Man, that's that's when y'all know y'all in their heads. What is it? Rent free. Yeah. Rent-free. Yeah. Check clowny. <laughs> but since we talk about football, can we talk about football for a second? We talk about yeah, the NFL. Yeah. Uh-huh. We talk about the team that's on the nine-game winning streak. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, barely, but hey, a win's a win, though. I got you. Was it? Hmm. Was it uh, Stidham? Stidham tried to scare y'all. Was that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, look, when I saw he was starting, I was like, oh, like his first start. I was like, that's a bad. The defense played terrible. Until we got the interception in overtime, but the defense looked bad. Yeah. And I was like, hey, y'all got to get this fixed, man. Y'all been the number one defense. This is not the time mm-hmm. to 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 be letting this dude go berserk. I shouldn't laugh. I think Washington is putting out a first time starter this weekend, so I better not say nothing. We got that. another one. Arizona putting putting out another. I'm like, what? I wouldn't do it with both of them coming. I wouldn't do, but the Raiders, whatever. But this is the longest winning streak the Niners have had since 1997. Really? Literally since mm. Jerry and Steve Young days. Mm. Mm. I love this team. Man. Man. And I don't know if I told you, the missus has become a 49ers fan. Because of Kittle or because of you or both? Or... Well, it ain't because of me. It's because of Kittle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we we rooting for the same team. She's like, yeah, that's a that's a extra. <laughs> but she likes the Purdy to to Kittle connection. So, oh, okay. Uh, uh, so she she's all in. She likes uh, she likes the Fort Niners. And and for me, I don't know if you saw the game at Las Vegas. A lot of Forty ers fans there. A bit. You know the game at Dallas. A lot of Forty ers fans there. That was way too much. Way but. Too- what I was trying to explain to Kate was this wouldn't this wasn't always the case. Back when I was growing up, yeah, I was a bandwagon fan, but it wasn't like the 49ers were a national brand. Mm-hmm. It was it's always been the Cowboys, the Packers, the Steelers, right? That those are the and even though we won five in the 80s into the 90s, we didn't have that, we didn't have the big following. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I love it now that we're traveling. I wish I could travel. Uh, and and turning these home games or these road games into home games. Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. I've only got to do it, what, twice? Went to Charlotte a few years ago when the Cowboys came over there. And then this Green Bay trip is, you know, doing it as a Kentucky fan, you, it's not. it doesn't ever get old, but You've done it. You right. went and right. seen Kentucky right. in Knoxville, went and seen Kentucky play Auburn in football, went here, went to a few stops, 
And then you walk in the Panthers bathroom, the bathroom in Carolina, and it was all just a bunch of Cowboys dudes in there. And I was like, it was. Yeah. So, you know, you go up to Green Bay and the whole section, you know, when they're warming up, everybody, Micah, Parsons, Dak. It was like, man, it was almost, you thought you were at home. It's right. crazy. So when you go to your first Niners road game, the way y'all roll now, you, was, you, well, you stop, it'll take you back for a minute, and you'll be like, wow, this is, wow. And, you know, I went to like three or four Niners-Bengals games mm, mm. In, in Cincinnati. And so it's nice to see, you know, random fans. But I never – I've not been since it's been like this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when the schedule – well, and so we're sitting here and uh, he's like, you know, we should have gone to Vegas. You know, Vegas, New Year's, not a – and I saw they were playing Vegas on the schedule, but I was just like, well, I saw Raiders. Yeah. You know, the schedule, I was like, oh, Oakland, because mm-hmm. I'm an old person. Or I should have said L.A. because I'm a really old person. And then Oakland because I'm really old. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so if the 49ers come close, either – I know they played Kansas City this year. I don't know if they'll go. But if they come to Kansas City or to uh, Minnesota, mm. I'm going to go. How far is Denver for y'all? I don't know. I mean, I don't I mean, know. I don't know. I know the Midwest is large. But I know it's, a, it's a bunch of cities in that in that <laughs> area. You know, hey. Louisville, and it's you know, it's don't it's, don't, it's, don't feel bad, man, because <laughs> I didn't know where Iowa was on the map. So <laughs> she's like, I live in Iowa. I'm like, where is that? Is that the yeah. north? Mm-hmm. Not, where, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, either um Minnesota to the north or uh Kansas City to the west would be the closest closest ones. Hmm. Um, oh, I saw the Niners in St. Louis a couple of times. Okay. See, when, y'all closer to Kansas City than Chicago, Kansas City, Minneapolis than Chicago? Yes. Oh, okay. Three hours. I know it's two and a half, three hours to Kansas City because we went there. Hmm. Of all things, we went to uh, Ikea. And then um, Minneapolis, I think, is three. Chicago's closer, about four or five. Oh, okay. So... Uh, well, I, I thought about going to the Chicago game, but it was the first game of the year. It's always a tough – it was going to be a tough ticket to get because mm-hmm. that's when the Bears – you know, that's when the Bears fans have all this optimism. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were playing, t- playing this weekend. Y'all going to walk right in. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh, yeah, come in, soldier. But part of it, too, is uh, like you experienced going to Green Bay. It just started getting back to mid-November. Yeah, it's it's tough sitting outside in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I tip my hat to those Green Bay fans because man, I ain't it, doing it. It was some old timers, some season ticket holders. Every game, right there, you know, in that Midwest, nice. You know, it was they was telling us where to go to get the good cheese to make your cheese curds, and you want to go here to get some, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was mid November. And it was thirty, so it could have been worse. But that thirty there is is different. It's the wind's different. Like that Phoenix got that dry heat. That thirty in Green Bay was different than any thirty in Kentucky or Tennessee or anywhere down here. Because I'm t- I've told you that wind comes down from Canada and there's nothing. You got you know you got to remember between the Rockies and uh, the Appalachians, it's it's just flat. It's just nothing. There's nothing to slow it, to slow things down. 
And especially we out in the, we out in the country now, we'll get forty mile an hour wind. That's a lot. We stopped in Milwaukee, heading heading up. It got dark. We was our our place we were staying was a little bit outside from Green Bay, and uh, I went in to you know went in to get some snacks or whatever, and the ladies cash register wasn't working right by right by the door so you slide on down to go to one that's working that can you know you can pay or whatever i was like maybe because it's so cold right here by this door it's got your cash register locked up she said oh honey this ain't even cold <laughs> i was like what and she yeah. said oh no this ain't this ain't nothing right here so yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember last year my first winter here i i think about this time Ooh, wind hit me. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be rough." They're like, "This, you know, this ain't nothing. You know, it's just, it's just minus twenty. That ain't nothing. We don't, nothing stops for minus twenty. I'm like, it's cold. Yeah, minus forty five is when they start, uh, stop, start uh, stopping that. Yeah. But anyway, Chicago. We went to all the touristy stuff. You know, y'all was talking about the food up there. Yep. Went to the Giordano's and got the deep dish pizza. Went to Portillo's and got the Italian beef and just, you know, walking a few blocks, you know, to the Trade Center, to Giordano's and that, man, that wind just whipping around through them, through them streets. Man, it, it, it's different. You're right. Yeah. Try to tell me you, you wasn't lying. Yeah, I, I'm sure. telling you, it's crazy. So just looking at the NFC playoffs, because I'm not worried about the AFC. Uh, you know, I feel confident. Uh, I've said it. All season, there's not an NFC team I'm scared to play. And if Purdy's gonna do a sizable Jimmy G, so far, if he's gonna be serviceable, I mean, 49ers win this game, you got to start talking about him on the all rookie team. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but I mean, he's playing games they got to win for the playoffs. No. They I mean that's that threw him in there. He got thrown to the fire too. Got thrown to the wolves, and he's playing some road games. He's 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 playing some games, but we got Arizona uh, this weekend. Beat Arizona, that'll give us a clean sweep of the NFC West. And uh, you're are your Cowboys going to make the playoffs? Oh, that looks like absolutely. They got they got twelve wins. Ain't that sweet? <laughs> absolutely. That is you know, sweet. You know, I don't. I you know. I don't know what I think about this. Only one team getting a buy. I don't like it. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't like it. You know, you're gonna win twelve games, probably thirteen if you handle business against the Commanders, and you're gonna be a five seed in the yeah. probably a five, and might have to go to Tampa Bay, who win eight and win into this. Oh come! On. Well, that's what happened to us last year. I mean, we had to go on the road. And uh, I'm like, we got better records, but yeah. division winners, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. while we're talking about the NFL, yes. before our guests come on, we got a guest, right? Woo, it's yes. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Black from the Current Journal coming up in about 10 minutes. Man, the time is getting by. Time, <laughs> yeah, time is flipping. Uh, we got to give a, we got to talk a little about, about DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And and what we saw on Monday night, um, it was scary. It was probably the scariest thing I've ever seen on a football field. And we have seen people concussed. We've seen all kinds of gruesome injuries, but this was different. Mm-hmm. And 
my takeaway hopefully is the NFL has to do a better job of taking care of the players long term. Something I didn't realize till Dominic Foxworth, former NFL player with ESPN, uh, he was in the Players Association. NFL players only get health insurance five years after, for five years after they quit playing. Then they they're on the road. They only get it for five years? Five years, and then you're on your own. Hmm. And that to me is egregious. And it's tantamount. And I know when you say this, people bristle because there's there's money out there. But you got to remember, a lot of these dudes aren't making that much money, comparatively speaking. Yeah. You know, not everybody getting Patrick Mahomes money or mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers money. So they're getting some. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough for you to quit playing football at 28 and be good to your 70. That's that's not the kind of money that these guys are making. Mm-hmm. But the NFL is just like every business. They're trying to get that, that money. All of it. And so I say that into when we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, the coal mines in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. The owners of the coal mines do just enough, just enough to keep the workers working. Yep, and that's it. In terrible conditions, right? Mm-hmm. So I know people aren't being forced to play football. I get that, but that doesn't mean the NFL can't do right by people. And so. I hope this leads to change because we don't know what's going to happen with DeMar. We don't know. We we don't know what happened. We don't know what it's going to look four or five years from now. Mm-hmm. But it's possible he's going to need some kind of long-term care mm-hmm. and the money's not going to be there because the NFL doesn't want to pay. Just like they admitted that they try to downgrade African-American athletes when it comes to the brain injuries because mm-hmm. we're dumb anyway. That's basically what they said. The NFL doesn't want to pay. And like Bernie Kosar once said, they're just waiting on the old players to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the thing is, it would not take that much off their bottom line no. To take care of the older players. It would not take that much. These TV rights deals and the money they make. The owners could pass around a collection plate and come up with enough to fund it. Yeah. Jerry could come up with some money. You know, the the guy that owns the bills also owns the sale. Like these people, like that, that's what kills me about big business in general. And what I never understand is when leagues strike or their lockouts, how are you siding with the owners? Mm-hmm. No. Because you think maybe one day you'll be you you are never gonna get in the same stratosphere as being an owner. Mm-hmm. Even the owners that just one venture, just own that team, and that's all you do. I mean, I don't know. The Roonies, the Roonies have other adventures. I don't know. 
But maybe you just own the team and that's it. Much less the ones that's got multiple things going on. But even the, the little owners, quote unquote, yeah. can can you know come up off of something and chip in without yeah. a problem. So I, I hope this leads to a change where there's more uh guaranteed contracts, there's a better safety net uh for players because they are sacrificing a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's it 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 was heartbreaking to watch. And then when they showed his mom coming down out of the field, um that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Just seeing the players' faces. Yeah. And we're going to give them five minutes to come. I mean, and, you know, because whether Joe or not it was five minutes, look, man. Joe look, Buck didn't just make that up. He didn't make it up. Joe Buck didn't but, make that up. But I'm not going to jump on the NFL because of that. That's just American business, baby. Yeah. We've all been heard stories, been working places. A tragedy happens. All right, we good? All right, good. Got to get back out there, man. We weren't even born, uh, you know. Terry Hansen, proof that we had on, has been with TNT and sent me the article that I sent you from Jeff Perlman with the Chuck Hughes who passed away on the field in '70, I think, with you know Dick Buckus and the Bears sitting there, and and they're like waving them on. To the, so I didn't even know that it happened. Uh, and they went, they like you said, they started playing, carted him off, and they they kept playing. Keyshawn Johnson talked about the dude for the Lions that collapsed, and they started playing. And he was talking about if this was still 1997, Cincinnati and Buffalo would have started playing. And they the thought was out there for them to start playing until it was finally, you know, because the player said no. Yeah. Which they can do now, <laughs> right? And the players said, "No, nah, we're not doing this." Yeah. Look, the people have already paid their tickets. The game's already on TV. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do this. You you can figure out the other stuff, how it works in the playoffs. You can figure that out. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, the players just said no. Yeah. And and you and you've got that. Uh, and I hate to do this. I hate to bring up your boy Skip Bayless. Oh man, he, he got to. Uh... But on its face, what he tweeted out, I didn't think was that egregious. Mm. The problem is, you got a track record of BS, and we've become desensitized. So he has to up the ante. And that was the point I was trying to make to some folks was, yes, what Skip said and what Scott Van Pelt said, very similar. One, Skip tweeted out when he was still in the ambulance at the stadium. Mm-hmm. Timing matters. Mm-hmm. Two, why y'all giving Skip Bayless the benefit of the doubt? <laughs> oh, he's speaking a nuance. What? He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. He's a jerk. It's just plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And so my whole thing is, you don't have to amplify those people. You don't need to quote, tweet, to dunk on. You don't need to, hey, did you see this? Yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about that. When I'm watching a young man fight for his life on the field, the last thing I'm worried about is what Skip Bailey's going to say. Mm-hmm. He was talking crazy at ESPN. 
continually to talk crazy at FS1. And honestly, I don't, I don't even watch that much FS1. I know it's, I know I, I, there, I, but I don't. And I know I Mike, see Hill's over there. Mike Hill's over there. I like Mike Hill. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I just, I kind of don't watch a lot of it. I, 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 I watched. Uh, I see clips. I, I don't tune into that kind of thing because the arguments are always contrived. It's a bunch of foolishness. It's barbershop arguments on steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try not to give Skip Bayless any time because I know he's made it his life's mission to 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 dump on LeBron and yeah. yeah. But even that gets old. And he just he just talked crazy to see what sticks and see what kind of reaction he can get. And speaking of Mike Hill, he he even said, "So my colleagues can be so inhumane in in all caps." So he, I mean, we knew who he was talking about. Well, and that's part of it too. Is how's this going to affect my fantasy football? We, I got a lot of pushback because Ryan Clark gave uh, one of his segments. It was great. He's like, you know, we're people. This, this, and this. And I was like, hey, this is great, but we don't like athletes, man. If they ain't producing, they're not people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true, TB. Look at yeah, okay, okay. I'm making it up. All right, I, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I wish we were better, uh, but we're not. Yeah. But anyway, just uh, again, prayers. Uh, up uh, for Demar, uh, and again, I, I I didn't know that young man before Monday. Great, and um, but it was just it was just it was just sad. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just sad to see and just heartbreaking. Um, hit me in my feels. Uh, you know, I lost both of my brothers real young. One moment, fine. The next moment, you know, it's one of those things that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, uh, yeah, just tough. So pay attention to the good people, ignore the bad people. For sure, for sure. Well, we got our guests backstage in the BS3 network, Roku Green Room, because y'all can watch this on Roku and YouTube as well. Thanks to BS3 network. Friend of the show, TV, a homie. He was. First time he came on, he was out there in Manhattan, Kansas, covering the K-State Wildcats, Bill Snyder, Bruce Weber, and all them. Popped up to Lansing for a little bit. Now he's in our home state, in your city, in Louisville, covering the Cats, football and basketball for the Courier-Journal. Talking about our guy, Ryan Black. Ryan, man, what is up? How you doing, man? Appreciate you hopping on. Hey, no, hey, no problem. I'm, I'm glad to be on. And, and yeah, like you're kind of saying, I kind of hopped from one Wildcats uh, to, to another. Yeah, for sure. Because TB, man, he was with the first time. I, I think I just, just crossed paths on Twitter. I was like, hey, this dude covers K-State. Hey, let's get him on. Let's get the vibe, the Big 12 vibe, the Manhattan, Kansas vibe. He was from Atlanta. And, you know, but then y'all, when you were down there, when Kentucky played K-State, right, TB? In your home city of Atlanta, and of course we lost that one, but we did lose that one. That was a tough game to lose, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, you know, the, the thing that that's memorable about that that tournament for me, I mean, that was a notable win for K State because it was the first time they had ever beaten Kentucky ever. But it was that you know K State won its first game against Creighton, 
And obviously everyone thought they would play Virginia in the second round, but that was the year UMBC just demolished Virginia in the first round. So to be there for the first time that a one seed went down the tournament was pretty was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, history right in front of your eyes, man. Mm-hmm. So, man, tell, look, we, we kind of hit on your journey, Manhattan to Lansing to Louisville. How have you adjusted? What's the grind like in Louisville? You got any questions for Kentucky? T- ask TB anything about Louisville. You <laughs> were born and raised there. How you adjusting? How's the transition? How you handling everything, man? You know, it, it it's definitely been quite a – I don't want to say a difficult transition, but it's just the fact that, you know, I was kind of transplanted in right in the middle of a football season, you know, and so so many things that had already happened with the team at that point. They only had one loss at the time because, you know, they had just come off the battle of unbeatens with Ole Miss and, and Will Levis got hurt in that game. And then, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe people could say it was a bad luck charm because certainly the season kind of went down the tubes for football after that because they just, you know, especially the shocking, shocking loss to Vandy. Um, but I'm thankful I at least got here in time for basketball. Uh you know, it's one of those things where I'm I'm honored to be covering the team, given just the prestigious history of, of the basketball program. But also, it's just it's cool to be around a program where there's so many people who have been covering the team for so long. You know, and that's so much institutional knowledge on this beat that I I'm just someone who really admires that kind of thing. Yeah, man, Larry Vault, Mark Story, John Clay. I mean, just that's some just, that's some decades. Just sitting, right there. just sitting around with Oscar Combs telling just random stories of of coaches is is just enough just to soak up those stories. It's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it's glad to have you, man. And 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 you know, I won't. I can't say that I even blame you for the football, even though you know after the Ole Miss because TB we got to have him back on. But I I almost want to kind of blame Mitch Brown because. We've been handling South Carolina. He comes up for Columbia. Then they lose that one. So yeah, I, I, I even give Mitch Brown a little bit of blame for that. And, and I'll say it next time we have him on, too. So, you know, I'm not going to put it all on you, Ryan. That's all I'm saying. Well, by the way, guys, I didn't know I was actually going to be on video. Let me actually get in the light because I'm sure people think I'm just sitting in a closet or something. People can actually see me. So I apologize. We move over here so people can actually see what I look like. No problem. Hey, man, My we- apologies. Like I said, I thought we were going to be on like an audio call. So, you know, here we go. And I was not aware I was going to be on video. So, yeah, My here I am. Oh, man, I should have been a little more informative or let you we, know. We, we made the pivot to video last year. Yeah, yeah. I can't keep up with that. We made the pivot. I, I don't know. It catches me off guard, too, Ryan, when I remember we had to do uh, video. So I got to. Get my gear and everything on. And so does it does it go both on video and like audio, or is this completely a video thing? Both. It'll be okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So we, you know, we trying to do little, do a little things here, man. We, ain't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you doing your big things. We trying to do our little things. You know, it's, it's that I will tell you guys, it's one of the things I get asked the most, honestly, is that you know you cover the team for Louisville, um, so you live there. It's like no, I mean, I live three miles from Kroger Field. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful to be, you know, because you guys know, like, hey, if breaking news were to happen and I'm living in Louisville, I mean, that means, I mean, I've got to I've got to come over here to and hope that things haven't already happened. So, I mean, I, I would always push to want to live in the town of the college that you're covering because I just think that's one. And also, it's just also important, to, I feel like, to be there and be, you know, in the culture, be maybe around the students, professors, whoever else. I just think you get them so much more of a better feel than if you're covering it almost remotely by having to commute every day. Yeah. And I've talked to people about that too, back when uh, we recovered some games, Vinny, way back when it's a different feel to be in the building 
from shoot around until they turn the lights out. You just get a different kind of feel. And then there's the midweek press conferences. You just get a feel for the players. They get a little bit of comfort with you. Mm-hmm. You understand a little bit about them. And so I think it just makes what you do a lot more insightful than, you know, folks that only watch on TV like we do in Opine uh, based on what we're seeing on TV. Well, well, on on top of that, to your point, you know, is I mean, you're able to go and ask whether it's Stoops or Calipari or whoever, you're able to ask them questions, players' questions. You know, whereas if you don't do that, then you just you have to kind of go off. Well, I hope someone asks this question that I want asked in a press conference. You know, so it's uh, and, and if nothing else, I think the players and coaches when they've been around you enough, you know, they start to get a feel. You know, one not only for your voice, but I think also uh, everyone has like their own style of asking questions, right? You have some people who are very quick and to the point and some are more conversational and funny and you got other people who uh, and I don't I'm not ever going to call anybody out but there's some people you know that they take two minutes to get to the question because they want to give you all this background and I I just I'll be honest I think that always does a disservice to especially the student athletes because I mean that's asking a lot for a kid to sit there and listen to you spin a yarn before you finally get to the question it's like get to the point you know and sometimes even the coaches will zone out I mean there there are occasionally coaches who will sit there and they'll you can see the wheels are turning, but there are other coaches uh, who I've seen. You can see them literally; they've zoned out after you talk for about thirty seconds. So I always try to keep my questions fairly quick and to the point to kind of get just to get it out there. You know, are you uh, especially for for basketball? Because you know, I found it a little easier to get questions in on the football side than the basketball side. But for basketball, you know, back when we were covering them, TB, you know, Larry Vault was going to have his. Jerry Tipton, who's retired, Jerry was going to have his couple questions. It was kind of a hierarchy on the <laughs> basketball side. Yeah, are you are you navigating your way through that, or is it still kind of you know is it still kind of unwritten hierarchy as far as the basketball? Yeah, I would say like you kind of say. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's necessarily and and sometimes like on some beats there's even like an order that hey this person's going to get the first question and maybe this person's going to get the last question. Um, obviously, you know, Ben Roberts, who covers the team for the, the Herald Leader, you know, he he gets a few questions per press conference. I wouldn't say he necessarily always leads off, but he, he gets his his in. You know, John Wong, who covers the team, he gets he usually gets a question or two in. Um, and I'm someone who, especially being so brand new to the beat itself, uh, you know, I, I, I probably took me a few press conferences before I even felt like I should be able to ask a question, you know, because, you know, these other people have been covering the team for months and years. And so they kind of know everything. And I'm kind of like still learning storylines, learning players, learning things like this. And so I always like to at least kind of give myself a little bit of time before I really start, you know, going in and and really asking a lot of things. And, and you're right, you know, Vinny, that the bigger the beat, the less opportunity you're probably going to have to ask questions because there's so many people, you know, on a, on a smaller beat, you know, you might have maybe two people who really ask the majority of the questions. But on this beat, uh, especially with, with basketball after games where you've got to raise your hand, uh, there's a potential you're not going to get called on if there's too many people got their hands raised. So it just, like I said, I think it's like you just, uh, you know, you raise your hand, you hope you get called on, I'd say. And with with Cal, you, you're probably already discovering this too. His answers, he'll, he'll, he'll get long-winded on you and he'll – veer wherever he wants to say something let, let me just say this and let i was and here i just want to say this so you got to factor that in as well <laughs> no i mean it, it's so funny i was actually talking to a couple of the, the beat guys last night after the presser and, and like you said it's like you'll you'll ask 
Calipari a question, and he might – I mean, a lot of times he'll at least answer it maybe in one or two sentences, but then it will be like, like you said, he'll say, well, how about player X? Or how about the defense? Or how about the crowd? You know, and then he'll go off on that spiel, like I said, for the rest of the answer, and you've got the two sentences of what you asked about. So, uh, I don't know. There's something about – and, you know, guys, being that this is now the – I guess the fifth different power five beat that I've been on. That's something that I really enjoy is learning, you know, how players and especially coaches, because you're going to have more media availability. I feel like with them to really get a feel for, you know, how are they going to answer questions and are you actually going to get the, you know, the, the content that hopefully that you're looking for, for whatever you're, you know, for in my, in what I do and what I write, but also I guess your TV, the clip that you need or in radio, the soundbite that you need. You, you have to – how do I need to ask this question so Cal goes this way? Because Vinny and I have talked about – and Cal has his Calisms, right, that he kind of works into whenever he's talking. But I have found most coaches are like that. But as Kentucky fans, we just hear Cal. But if you talk to Bruce Weber, I'm sure he's got these phrases, these idioms or whatever that kind of show up. I'm like, that's not a Cal thing. That's just a coach thing. That's just how these dudes talk. No, I mean that's that's exactly that's exactly what it what it's like, and, and certainly uh, you know things are not in Kansas State the way that Bruce Weber wanted it to. But you know the one thing I can say for him, and this is how I always view kind of my own experiences, you know he always treated me with a lot of respect, and uh, you know and again I know that fans maybe don't like certain you know coaching decisions or recruiting things, but like you know I always look at how did the the player or coach treat me personally, and. And, and, you know, him and really all the the Kansas State, uh, you know, media relations people were fantastic, you know, because I've been other places where it's like, you know, they're called like media relations people and you would just think like they're hostile, like they're hostile toward the media. And it's just odd to me because I'm like, it's just it's it's just it's bizarre that you would go into doing this kind of job and kind of want to be antagonistic toward, you know, people like us. But, you know, what do I know? You said uh, you said this was your fifth. Uh, power five B. So Kentucky, Michigan State, K State. Who are the other two? Uh, well, two? I went to college at the University of Georgia. So, you know, I was there um, the two years I covered the football team. They went to the SC championship game both years. 2011, they lost to that really, really, really strong LSU team that then lost Alabama in the national title 21 zip in a rematch of the 9 6 game. Uh, and then the following year, Georgia lost Alabama 32 28 in kind of what was a de facto semifinal because that was the Alabama team that went on to beat the undefeated Notre Dame team with, uh, you know, Manti Teo and all that. Um, but then my first job out of college was covering Auburn. So I was there from 2013 through the 2016 football season. And football originally when I got there was all I covered because, you know, you guys being basketball, you know, aficionados, the SEC, I mean, you remember that, you know, a decade plus ago, Auburn was possibly the worst power five school or power six, because we have to count the Big East, the worst like power conference job in the country. I mean, they were awful, awful, awful basketball. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a, a cow disciple who was the coach at the time, you know, Tony Barbie. Right. But certainly as soon as Bruce Weber, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Pearl, my apologies, Bruce Pearl got there, um, you know, he, he's gotten things rolling. And, and I've, I've even told people, uh, you know, I always knew, because, right, I mean, whatever you think about Bruce Pearl as a coach and, and these other things that come up when you think of his name, whatever you think of him, he has won at every single place he's been, and usually won big. I think, guys, there's a stat now that at every school he's been at, he holds the single-season win record. Unless I'd have to double-check now because, obviously, Tennessee might have broken that with Barnes. But at the time that he left or was at the school, he held the single-season win record. And, 
Guys, Grant, I understand you have to also say well, there are more games now than there were in the 1950s. But I'm saying that's still a pretty impressive stat. But even knowing how successful he had been at other stops, I mean, come on, I never would have thought he, he would take a team to the Final Four. I mean, Auburn never done that. And, of course, they did it during that year, and, and you guys, I know, are very familiar with it, where they went through North Carolina and Kansas Kentucky to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, there was no easy there was no easy outs, even though it hurt my heart <laughs> in, the, in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a tough a tough one to swallow. But yeah, you had yeah. to give him credit. When we we yeah. had uh we had Tom Leach on a couple times on here as well. And um I'm trying I can't think of the Auburn play by play guy, but he, he tragically passed away. Rod Bramblett. Yeah, yeah, because it's Andy Bertram now that yeah, Rod. And I remember asking Tom. Because you know Kentucky went nine and three, beat Penn State in the Citrus Bowl to go get ten wins for the first time since 1977, and I'm asking Tom, does did that compare? Is that the equivalent of of like Auburn going to a Final Four, or would it take Kentucky getting to Atlanta to kind of be what that was for you, what it was to Rod? He for him, it's still he still wants to call a game with Kentucky in Atlanta. I mean, because Rod, like you said, being the voice for Auburn basketball, and you get to call an Auburn game in the Final Four, it doesn't get any better from a play-by-play standpoint, you know. So Tom's, you know, nugget to still carrot dangling, it still would be, you know, calling a Kentucky football game in the SEC title game. So it was just cool. Yeah, and I'm sure it's probably on that point. I'm sure it's something that both of you have discussed. But, you know, if they do end up doing away with divisions, I think that makes it even tougher for not just Kentucky, but really any of the the schools that have had it a much harder road to get there. I mean, because everyone knows about Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Florida, you know, just like the traditional kind of powers. But, like, you know, there are schools that have never been there. And, of course, A&M is still trying to work toward that, and it just – it's not coming together yet. But I just think, you know, if you get rid of the divisions, like I guess it being rumored it's going to happen, man, that's going to make it even tougher to get to Atlanta. It, it will. I don't, I don't know. If, I, I'd like to see a little pod thing if they do it or, yeah. or if they do that, if they just lump them all up. Yeah. Um, but they're better equipped to shoot for it now than they have been in our lifetime. So for whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is this is the best time to be a Kentucky football fan. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of AM, what about Bobby Petrino? Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean it's uh I mean I guess you just say it's just very much in his nature to have only been at UNLV for right at a month and already leave like that. Because certainly I, I remember growing up, you know, and, and I'm in high school and it was just every single year at Louisville, there was always some rumor that he was entertaining going to the NFL. Of course, he ended up going to the Falcons, which I, I remember very well living in Georgia. Uh, and then he left them in the dead of night in, after a Monday night football game to go to Arkansas uh, after just – and, again, I, I remember thinking about that too was that he I mean, he didn't even address the team. He had them leave notes in, in the locker of the players. So I, I just know that he was – seems like a universally reviled coach uh, for the Falcons in terms of just the players. I'm not even talking about the fan base, but for players um, – even Arthur Blank was not a fan of him. I saw uh, some kind of video. They and Arthur Blank, who was you know very distinguished guy, was yes not not a happy camper with Bobby. No. This is how crazy college football is. My wife is not a college football fan, but trying to explain like the Petrino shenanigans or like the Hughes free Hugh free saga or anything like that to someone that's not in the college football world, it sounds insane. It sounds yeah. like a uh, a soap opera 
or something mm-hmm. you, you have made up. And I'm like, but wait, that's only Bobby Petrino scandal number one. Let me, we haven't even left Louisville yet. <laughs> Let's work no, up I, to Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, you're exactly right, though, when you think about with the Petrino specifically. I mean, you'd have, like you said, the soap opera thing with the, the husband who's there after, you know, Having his having this woman on the back of the motorcycle and he's in like that crazy you know neck brace and then all and then he comes back to Louisville and there's all the nepotism stuff because all he's done is hired members of his family. I mean it's it's very like you said very much like soap opera type stuff. It, sure. it is like Shakespearean in the levels of of these guys as they move around from team to team. Sorry to get off on that tangent, Vinny. Oh yeah, no. Bobby Petrino just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and just a few weeks ago, I had to explain it to my wife. She's like, what? Like, but wait. There's no. more. <laughs> and you didn't even you didn't even bring up Jetgate with him. Way back yeah. then. Yeah, right. that was that was uh when he was at Louisville and they went to uh Oven, Indiana someplace and 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and the Hugh Freeze and it was Houston Nut that did the FO the 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 you know FOIA, is that what it is? Yeah, FOIA, information. Yeah. 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 So it's just like that a screenwriter couldn't come up with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And look, no need to apologize for getting on that tangent. Had to talk about Bobby. That was that was pertinent college news. And I, I don't know if you know, uh, you probably do. Uh, Scott Hood used to cover South Carolina, Brian, for like Gamecock Central. Uh, he's I recognize the name. I don't know him personally, but I do recognize the name. He's covering uh, New Mexico, New Mexico State now. But we had him on back when he covered the Gamecocks. But I think he he nailed it. He quoted he quote tweeted Brett McMurphy. When Brett was, you know, tweeting out that Bobby was leaving Vegas for um, College Station, and Scott said, "If anybody has made a mockery of the NCAA system, it's Petrino." Exhibit A for the argument that athletes deserve everything they get. I'm like, you know, drop the mic because you. I mean, mockery is putting it kind. What he's done, man, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, I'll be honest. I I didn't really know what I ever thought he was going to do in the pros, but at least prior to the you know the the second Louisville tenure, I mean, I'd always thought that again he he maybe isn't a great person, but he seemed to be a great college football coach. And now it, you know it seems like you know, you know he didn't do he didn't do badly at Missouri State before this recent hire. But man, I, I guess I just can't wait to see what's going to happen there now that that uh, I mean this hey it, it means a lot that Jimbo Fisher's turned over the play calling, you know, because he's one of the few right. coaches who has just strongly held on to like, hey, I'm a play caller and I'm going to do it, you know, regardless of what anyone else says. So, I mean, obviously, Petrino is not coming in there to not call the plays. And then the D.C. and A. Oh. <laughs> I had to explain that. Like, man, college football is just different. It's just different. Yeah, yeah. With with Durkin, Petrino, and Jimbo, that's that's quite a trio. There's a man right there. But it, yeah. So I had, I had to go down that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I had no thought. Well, that thought left me out. Maybe to come back. Uh, but Ryan, man, you put in your in your profile that you, you're a big rap fan. So who you yeah. listening to? You know, we, we talked about this before. So who, who's on the playlist now? Who's on your Spotify, who's on your phone? Or Well, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, de- I definitely do listen to a lot of, you know, the more new kind of very popular people of the moment. You know, whether that's Lil Baby or Lil Uzi Vert, you know, go down the line, Kendrick Lamar. Um, but I mean, I'll be honest, I, I still personally prefer listening to, you know, guys who when I first really started listening to like Jay-Z and 50 Cent and T.I. and Young Jeezy and The Game and, uh, you know, 
I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about Kanye West or not, uh, but he's someone I do like his music. Uh, and you just kind of go down the line of the people who were big in the the late '90s into the you know into about about 2010, 11 when I was in college when I listened to a lot of, of Gucci Mane. Uh, he was huge at the time, of course. Um, and I, I was talking to somebody actually recently, and they didn't even remember who this was, but a guy who was on his label, uh, who who <laughs> I don't even know actually what he's up to anymore. It was all, called OJ to Juice Mane, you know, uh, who who was again somewhat popular at the time, but. Um, I, uh, I, I th- that would be kind of what I would tell you is my go-to is I, I prefer, um, the people of, of kind of when I first listened to it, but I'm, I guess I've, I just, I've never wanted to be Vinny, the, um, you know, get off, you know, you know, get out of my yard, old guy, where it's like, I just despise the new music. Cause I just feel like there's always something good about whatever is out there now, or it wouldn't be popular. That, that That's just my kind of take on it. I have my preferences, but I just don't want to hate the new stuff. So to speak. Right. Right. So it's. Even when the generations change, you're you're not trying to be stuck and yeah. start hating. What's yeah, after you, I got you. That's good because Vinny's old, so he likes old stuff. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> well, you know what's funny is so when I when I covered the game up up in New York City, um, you know, it's the first time I'd ever been there, and and obviously, you know, you already have so many people in New York, but also you have the people coming in because it was right before Christmas. You know, there's that song Empire State of Mind with Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. And I, I'm a fan of that song, but it literally seemed like it was playing on every single street corner. Because you have these people who were like doing these things where you can do like this 360 uh, motion video thing. And they're always playing that song in the background. So uh, I guess I'll just say I hope if you go to New York City, you like that song because you're going to hear it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It, it reminds me, I went to St. Louis when Nelly dropped Country Grammar. Oh, wow. And man, every club we went to had like the 25 minute version where he was shouting out all the different neighborhoods. I'm like, oh, I mean, are we are we still doing this? He's from the wow. Louis Proud. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Thank you. Can, is there anybody else? We got the St. Lunatics. Nah. I'm, uh, What's glad so funny to know about New York that? City does that. What's so funny about that too? Is I just I don't know if some people realize how how huge he was like in that late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, he was. To me, about as big as you got other than Eminem and Jay-Z. I mean, he was just massively, massively popular, Nelly was. Yeah, when he, when he did that versus, I'm like, I know that Luda had a more, to, but what nobody hotter than Country Grammar when that hit the streets. I had to tell the, these young kids about it. Y'all went out in the streets when Nelly was out here with his street sweeper. Hey, and can, can I say, too, by the way, that, man, Nelly has aged so phenomenally well. Like, he's like him and Pharrell. It's like they haven't aged at all. We should yeah. all be so fortunate to age as well as they have. And Nelly still pops up. He still makes his money. Them checks still cash. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Shaggy on the New Year's Eve thing. Hey, he's talking about Boombastic. I'm like, take it back to 95, Shaggy. Like, oh, man. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> well, I hope that was a good answer for you, Vinny. I mean, like I said, cause I, I, don't, I don't at all dislike any any of the, the new people. I, I just certainly, if you ask me what I'm going to put on, I, I would rather, and that's not a Young Jeezy reference there, but uh, that I, I would prefer to listen to, you know, people just roughly when I started roughly listening to it, as well as kind of when I was in high school and college, what I mainly listened to. I mean, you just you just a versatile dude, man, because, you know, uh, rap fan, but then you, you, you let it be known that you like Hollow Notes because, you, you know, you, you're versatile. Uh, anime, Aliens, Road and yeah. Look, you <laughs> And you your first sporting event was uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway for NASCAR, man, you you. You hit all spectrums, Ryan. That's all I'm trying to let the people know. 
Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's actually, I mean, the shirt I'm wearing right now is like a Dale Earnhardt, Dale Jr. shirt when they both won the Daytona 500, you know, senior won it in 98 and junior won it in 04. Uh, and that that's certainly the sport that I've followed the longest and maybe have the most background knowledge of. But, I mean, I, I love all kinds of sports. And, guys, I didn't know my computer was about to die. Let me put in my charger real quick so you don't see me we're, fade to black here. No, so give me we're, we're, we're about to wrap it up, man. We can yeah. like- Oh, okay. Well, that would be good because like I just don't want to. I just want to die on you. And they're like, well, there went Ryan. That was maybe a good decent appearance. For, for no, we, we don't want to keep you, but we always appreciate you coming yes. on and absolutely and uh, and covering Love the being Kentucky on. beat. We we appreciate that. And yes, sir. Raise your hand and ask those questions at the uh, at the press conferences. That that's that's my advice from my little girl when I was covering them. She's like, you got to ask a question. I'm like, well, I will ask a question. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank again. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and I'm happy to appear anytime because I just I enjoy uh, I just enjoy the kind of things you guys like asking about because it's not always like these X's nose things. You guys like asking more of like slice of life things, which I appreciate. That, that, that's our cup of tea, man. I'm not an X and nose person, but slice life's where it's at. So Ryan, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, I did. Hey, thank, thanks to both you guys, and happy to be on. Hit me up anytime. Will do, man. Didn't get you on while you were in Lansing, but now you're back yep. here in our home state. Yep. Got to get you on now, man. So I was like, man, Ryan in back in Kentucky, oh, got to do it. So, man, can't thank you enough and hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and, and the rest of the season, man. Hey, same to you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks again. Ryan Black, our guy, man, from, from back in the K-State days, man. He's a friend of the show from way back. Yeah. Did you did you holler at him down there at that game in Atlanta? Or I don't know if No, I that game was such a weird game. Uh, you and Tina was down there, right? We me and Tina were down there, but the I'm trying to remember how it went. It was a, that was a weird Well, remember I stayed at that one hotel, which I learned the lesson just because it's the cheapest doesn't mean it's the best. Mm. Because after Kentucky lost to K-State, that's when I went back to the hotel and there was a dozen police cars around the hotel. I was like, oh, okay. My first clue was like, when I went to check in, they're like, you you need to pay in cash. There's an ATM right there. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. That, ain't nothing like having a room with a sink at the foot of your bed. So, so I guess... You and Tina and Michelle, right? We're best the three of y'all, right? Yeah, we went down there. Okay. Yeah. So you you coming off of the this is the Boise Atlanta back to back, if we talk in NBA terms, right? For you. Yeah, yeah, because we got back to from Boise, we got back uh we got back was it that Tuesday? I think we got back Tuesday. And then Thursday we went down to it was something like that. It was a quick turnaround to get back down to uh, get down to Atlanta. So you know, friend of the show Roy Wood Jr. We we talked about his Roy's job fair podcast, and he was they interviewed different people, different jobs, different types of occupations. They were talking about crime scene investigators on one of his latest ones, and they they had a guy that does CSI stuff. And there, is it is it just like you see on TV, or how much does TV get right? You know how Roy does. You know, to take that back to the lab. How much how much is that is accurate? So they and so they're talking, and you know, some stuff you see is stuff you you know they see some stuff. But he said, how many 
how many times do the coroners just start hanging out where, where stuff goes down? You know, you're trying to be funny, but ask a serious question. <laughs> how many coroners was hanging out at this hotel you were staying at just in case <laughs> something went down? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and Tina was like, are you sure? I'm like, I, I got this. You're like, all right. You know, that was. <laughs> and she peeled yeah. out before you even shut the door. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> I guess coming up with a story to tell my mom and the girls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> some, you know, some stuff we get into, experiences we had. and Oh, yeah. I, I know not to do that again because, you know, you can't be just walking around any place in Atlanta. No, you can't. You can't. And, yep. Yep, yep, yep. But, man, we got another good show up in here, man. We got to, yeah. after our foolishness, our normal stuff, We we got the... Missouri game, we got the Louisville game, the LSU game. The bowl game was rough, and I know look, man, congratulations look. to Kate. She can she can gloat now, but one <laughs> one and one, let's never play again. Yeah. I, you know, I just that was the that's the like I told you, that's the funny thing. They go a hundred years, never play. I get married, move here, they play twice in one calendar year. Uh, I don't think you can take too much from the bowl game. Uh, quarterback first start. Not having your all SEC running back, nope. um, not having an offensive coordinator, yeah. And like I was telling folks, you know, um, Iowa's defense has been legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up fifty whatever points to Ohio State, but only less than three hundred yards of offense. Mm. Iowa's defense has been stout. Um, I know the Kentucky defense played very, very well. They did. I would didn't convert any third downs. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that's weird. And that's why I told my man Corey Price, you know, with the numbers, I like whatever offensive futility numbers you can come up with, Iowa wins those games. Mm. That's, they, they've done that. <laughs> Everybody else can be 0 and a thousand. I will be three and two. Like this is the way <laughs> they like to play. Uh-huh. So uh they've got a great punter. Yeah. Oh my god. They play defense. Uh-huh. Do, do you know? On this uh, Iowa team, Adam Jacoby told me, you know who's getting the most NIL? The punter. Wow. Well, that's as he should. I mean, <laughs> he's, it, he, he's a weapon, right? Freddie so, tweeted, he's the best player on the field. And he was. I, he I showed that to Adam. He's like, yeah, he's been that way. So, and and I get it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to tell some Kentucky fans, like, oh, this game, you know, before the game. And I'm like, y'all think I was warm and fuzzy about this game? Like, Iowa has been to Rose Bowls. Mm, They've been to Orange Bowls. Mm -hmm. Like, they've had Outland Ward winners. They've had Heisman Trophy winners. They've got dudes in the league. Like, if you think Iowa fans are jazzed up about going to Nashville on New Year's Eve, they ain't jazzed. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I know y'all don't care about Iowa, but they've been to the granddaddy of them all. Right. Last time they went, Stanford they ever beat them 44-6, but <laughs> the point is they've been there, right? So this wasn't like Kentucky was coming in, didn't want to play. You know, Iowa wasn't that jazzed up either. Mm-hmm. But that kind of game, that's what they like to play. So hopefully they never, ever, 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 ever play again. Amen. Amen. And- I, I, I thought it was great. I said, let me come to Iowa, get an Iowa woman. And now I'll be damned they don't. <laughs> They're not playing because <laughs> I was scared they were going to be in the same bracket last year in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, please don't let these teams play. 
Unbelievable. But my work, my work folks and my neighborhood folks, they've been all right. Because everybody knows I'm I'm Mr. Kentucky guy. They've been they've been pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. So we're even, just like Kate said, we're even. We call it good. It's, let's move on. And look, Scangarillo, it, it didn't work. It was a broken year offensively. You can't expect young Destin Wade to come out here with no coordinator and light up Iowa's defense. That just ain't going to happen. No. So now we can officially close the book on last year's offense. And, you know, the the cleansing, the re-improvement, the adjustments, if Cohen does come, which everybody is not like that great of a secret, it should be him. And then you can go back to kind of getting stuff the way it was and, and, you know, heading for spring ball and, and getting some better offense. So, you know, just kind of move on from last year. It is what it is. Like you, like you said, many times on the show, it was just a year. It was yeah, just it, a bad offense. And now we can yeah. go for it. We, we try to, this is the best. This is the worst. Sometimes you just, life is a lot of, okay, moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I think, and it's not just a sports thing. It's, uh, you know, you've been married uh, 20, 21 years. Yep. 21. Yep. You know, you see all this stuff in the movies, these grand gestures. You can't do that every day. Right. You, you can't come in on a white horse every day with some flowers because your Katie going to be like, what, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Marriage. Really, it's a lot of sitting around talking to the other person. Really. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of to have a good marriage. There's a lot of boring stuff you have to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love you. You love me. The trash has got to go out. Mm-hmm. I love you. You love me. This kid got to go to the dentist. This kid, like, there's a there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So everyday life stuff. Right. Everyday life stuff. You can't. You know. I tell people we we you and I do this show. I'll be honest. Some of them, not great. Some of them we do. You know, some of them we just like we just gonna do this to do it. I'm a, I'm gonna admit that. Other times I'm like, oh, we got some guests. We doing X, Y, and Z. Sometimes you just have to plow through the okay to help you with the exceptional. Mm-hmm. And it's okay just to be okay. Right. Yeah. You know, when it comes to Kentucky basketball, I just don't like it when people lie or mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. Because after the Missouri game, it was, if we accept this, then we're going to be Indiana. One, who is saying this is acceptable? I'm yeah. as sunshine and rainbows as they come, and I'm looking at the Missouri game like, mm-hmm. this is not getting it. Mm-hmm. I ain't seen one person say, well, this is okay. <laughs> That's not what happens, mm-hmm. right? Like that. Who are you arguing against? Nobody yeah. is for what we saw against Missouri, right? Nobody's for that, mm-hmm. Right. So this argument, if you accept it, then you're. What are you talking about? Well, if we accept it, we're Indiana. No. Let me push back on that. Indiana fans, not a fan of them, but it's not like they just said, you know what, we are okay with being mediocre for thirty years. That's not what they said. Mm-hmm. We talk about Nebraska football. Nebraska football fans just didn't decide, ah, this is okay. Right. Mm-hmm. What happened was in those places, the losing started, the fans lost their mind and created a completely bad culture. Indiana fans, after they got rid of Bob Knight, who was on his downslide, lest mm-hmm. we forget, they tried to find the next Bob Knight. You can't do that. 
You have to find the next best coach for Indiana. But the fans create this toxic culture. We got to have an Indiana guy. And it didn't work. That's what happened. Mm, yeah. It wasn't the fans like, we're okay with losing. That's not what happened. The downslide started and they lost their minds. Sound mm. familiar? Mm. They create this negative vibe around the program. That's what happened. Yep. That's, you know, when we talk about the teams that used to be great, that aren't great anymore, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. That's it. Anyway, but we might be Indiana. No, because Indiana fans are a lot of things, but not, they're not happy right. that they've only been to one Final Four in 30 years. That doesn't make them happy, mm-hmm. not with their trophy case. Yep. That's what's happened, but that don't mean they cool. Right. They're not enjoying it. They didn't just accept it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the problem is you've got to have a coach and you've got to have an AD. You've got to have people that know what they're doing. You've been in Tennessee. You've seen what that dumpster fire was. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw today was the anniversary of uh, Tennessee winning the first BCS championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Florida State. Yeah, but 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 people like, Look what Josh Heibel done. It's kind of overnight. No, the hell it is not. It's been 25 years of foolishness and shenanigans and money in McDonald's. Like, yeah. what are we doing? It was not overnight. Mm. It was not overnight for them to get here. No. Yeah. I push back on that. So I just want people to be honest. I don't want people to say, and I've seen this, Cal's only had one good team at Kentucky, one elite team. I'm like, What? No, 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 no. I mean, well, you know, you just are okay with losing, really? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to let it ruin my life, but I'm not okay with losing. Nope. But, but if, but if you're not screaming and yelling mm-hmm. and threatening players, right. then you don't care. Yeah, <laughs> Justin Rowland tweeted out the, the Indiana fan going crazy. Did you see that? Uh, the, yeah, let, yeah. Did you drink like that, that Trace Jackson? Yeah. So I mean, it's. Mm. And again, we talk about uh, all this be positive and mental health. Don't be a jerk, man. Mm-hmm. And I need people to stop telling me it's just small minority. No, the hell it's not. Mm. Or it's new because we were barely born. I remember the 78 team being the team with no joy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those older fans wear that as a sign of, of honor we made these boys so miserable and they won a championship. That's not the takeaway. That should not be the takeaway. I, I, I wanted to say this about Jacob Toppin. The takeaway isn't y'all bullied him into being better. You bullied. He was in a dark place. He got help. Now he's better. That's the takeaway. Uh-huh. And That's the what, what, what we should be taking away from that. But and how, anyway. how would they feel if he hadn't got the help and went the other way? Because, I mean, which is, you know, happens with young people a lot. You know, right. You don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, you mentioned your your brother passing young and definitely think about you and Mama B and all the family and cousins when y'all go through that. My, my little cousin up there in Louisville, you, yeah. you met her grandfather, my dad's brother, uh, Deja Carey, 27 years old. Uh, you might have seen Wildcat Corey tweeting out pictures of her as a toddler with my mom and dad. And so we went up there for her funeral Friday. Uh, Kevin Hale, you're around the shots, friend of the show. You're a panelist on there every week. 
Kevin texts me that his daughter knew Deja, his daughter Claire knew Deja and had a Facebook post of where, you know, Claire had shared something of Deja, which was Deja and my aunt acting a fool, which was they did a lot. So, um, so yeah, you don't know what the young folks are going through. You, you, you don't. And how would that fan feel if Jacob Toppin hadn't have gotten help and it went the other way and it went wrong? You know, then what? So, you know. Just... And, 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 that's, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, John Walls talked about it. Kevin Love yeah. talked about it. Uh, it's one of those things for a lot of these guys and gals to, to, to get to D1 or to any level in sports, right? If, if you are the best of the best in high school, right, you get to college, and this might be the first time you struggle. Mm, yep. College might be the first time where it's like, oh, I got to put work in. Mm. That's what happened to me in a non-athletic context. Right? I got to I got to UK. I was on a full ride, man. Full ride pl- books, all that plus money. Breeze and right along, yeah. I was I was balling. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to college and you're like, okay. And it's that first time you got to put some work work. It ain't fun. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy as older fans, older people to be like, you got to expect to put work in. If you're 17, 18 and really haven't had to <laughs> put that work in, mm-hmm. that it, it smacks you in the face. Yeah. When you go from high school, even non-athletically, when you pop in right before homeroom and do all your homework right before first period, and you know you ain't had to study, ain't had to cram, ain't had to bust it to get your grades, and then you get slapped in the face, non-athletically but academically, like you talking about. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> I I took calculus my senior year of high school. I said, okay. They're like, hey, you got to take calculus in UK. I said, great. I've taken this before. And so I remember I remember my first day, professor, he writes a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I know this. He's like, that's all old stuff. Here we go with the new stuff. I was like, oh, word? Like, it's, it's, it's a shock to the system. So I say all that to say, just be nice. Yep. You know, uh, I, I, I used to chuckle at uh, Seth Davis. And he always tweets out, you know, be kind. Mm-hmm. That That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. These, these, these athletes, these people on your TV screens, they are people. They are. And, you know, uh, I, I tell this all the time. Uh, the first basketball game I covered when uh, your boy gave me a hug, <laughs> uh, Arkansas's coach, uh, Anderson. Mike Anderson. <laughs> But that was when Arkansas won in overtime in Rupp Arena, that 2014 year, like we talked about at the top. Uh-huh. And I was ready. I was ready, like Ryan. I was like, I'm going to ask these questions. These kids don't care, blah, 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 blah. Cal came out, did his thing. And then, you know, you go talk to the players. And Julius Randle, we about five feet away. Again, 30 people around him, right? And I'm like, okay, this is wild. Because, you know, you see them post-game interviews on TV – you don't see all this, right? It's like watching a movie and you don't see the set. It's right, you don't see all that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they were, you know, coming up on my Facebook memories, I see a lot of, 
you know, when I was covering the games, and it's just like, man, there's 20 to 30 people around these kids asking questions. Like, I don't know if I could handle that at 45. Mm-hmm. But what about 18, 19, and you had a bad game? Like, you from Dallas, and you 14, 18 hours from home. Right. So <laughs> I was all set to be like, man, you ruined my – what are y'all doing? You got no pride. And then it just hit me. He's 6'10", 6'11", 250, whatever. But he's just a kid. Like we were talking about with Ryan, you get there early, you stay late, and you see that they're just big kids. Yeah. You know, they got some family that like 19, 20, they're just kids. Mm-hmm. So uh I've tried to be more conscious of that. I rarely try to criticize the players. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm I'm glad we're kind of figuring out this year. Like you said, football will be back. We're good. Yeah, we're good. yeah, that's it. That's it. Don't make more out of it than it really is. We fine. Absolutely. And this show was one that we was excited about. Got glad to have Ryan back on here. Ryan Black, y'all follow him at Ryan A Black, and now he is covering the Cats football and basketball. So even more reason to follow him and read his work. Uh, next week. Our homegirl's homegirl is coming. Anna Tarulo's girl. She told us last time she was on about Sierra Newton. She's an associate producer there. Oh, yeah. BBN tonight. Uh, I think so. Flossie writes is her on Twitter. So we got Sierra scheduled probably about 6.30 or so. So it'll be her first time on here. She's excited about coming on. We're excited to have her. So y'all tune in next week. And if we get any other guests in between now and then, We'll have them, but Sierra is excited to hop on here with us next Wednesday, man. Always fun. Oh, a great show. When I said we did some bad shows, this wasn't one of them. Let me be clear. <laughs> that's right. That's, <laughs> that's some of them that Michelle listened to over and over again. Yeah, bro. some of those. Now, hey, I will say those early ones, I, I've, I've begged people, don't go back and listen to anything the first year and a half. We all grow, man. Yeah. Be better. <laughs> Sure. Still trying to get better, but we have. Even if you tell Lee Steinberg that Patrick Mahomes ain't going to be that dude. <laughs> nah, man, he he, he going to wash out, man. He ain't. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you about Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But Jerry McGuire, man. <laughs> Stuff happens. Stuff That's happens. Great. Appreciate y'all. Y'all watch, listen, however you want to check this out. Hope you enjoy it. And we enjoy bringing it to you. Appreciate the TV, even if you're wearing that kittle. But uh, we'll holler at everybody. People <laughs> in, baby. On Cast Talk Wednesday. Appreciate the Biz 3 Network as well. Y'all take care. We are out.